What's up, fellas? We are just a couple days away from finally unveiling RTP20 Summit again. If you haven't heard this all month, um, you can watch it all 10 episodes for free, all 10 presentations for free. We got 10 of the best coaches from across the country, offensive coaches, defensive coaches. Uh, we've got strength and conditioning coaches as well as head coaches all presenting for us. Um, they're unbelievable presentations. You guys can watch all of those for free. Every night we're sh we'll show two of them, the 24th through the 28th at 6 p.m. Central. You get to go log on to runthepower.com, get on there, Click our link that says watch live and you get to watch it live for free. Also get to chat with other coaches watching. It's going to be awesome. Uh, if you miss any of it or you want to have any of those videos for life, uh, then you can just pay um, to get the all access pass, which is just $50 for our RTP premium members, 75 for everyone else during the presentations uh, while they're all still going. Uh, so head to runthepower.com and enjoy. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play, as you guys know, has hooked us up with their product, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. Uh, we love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. Uh, obviously, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, a little bit of wide zone this year, um, but it allows us to save the formations we normally use. And for me, the, the thing that saves me the most time is being able to save defensive formations, drag and drop those on top of my plays. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120. That's $60 off the normal list price. Um, get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Stephen Hemby. Coach Hemby is the DC and assistant O-line coach at Cape Central High School in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Listen as we talk with Coach Hemby about how he uses his knowledge of offensive line play to help defeat schemes and technique as a DC. You can follow Coach Hemby on Twitter at Coach S. Hemby. Hope you guys enjoy. So I'm Stephen Hemby. I'm the uh, defensive coordinator and assistant offensive line coach at Cape Central High School here in southeast Missouri. Um, you know, I've been a football kid all my life. You know, I uh, grew up in a small town in mid-Missouri, uh, Montgomery City. Um, you know, I played for uh, Coach Eckley, who's actually down in southeast Missouri now at uh, Jackson High School. Played for him for four years. Um, Montgomery County, very successful. Um, never, uh, never lost very many games. You know, never made it very far in the playoffs. Always ran into a tough team in Blair Oaks. But, uh, you know, that's where my love for football really started was uh, going through high school. I uh, was raised by a single mom, so my football coaches were my mentors. Um, you know, Coach Eckley being the head coach, and I've got an offensive line coach that to this day I still call my dad, um, you know, really helped me kind of get into the coaching and not just the football X's and O's aspect of it, but how they treated me and how they treated all of my teammates and my friends really kind of propelled my thought process into, hey, I think I want to become a teacher and a coach. So, uh, you know, that was that was huge for me. And then when I went to college, um, you know, I went to Illinois College right out, uh, right out, I say outside, in Jacksonville, Illinois. I was there for about, I don't know, six weeks or so. I got hurt, got a pretty serious knee injury and decided to come home. 
uh, return home. I helped my helped Montgomery County when they went to the uh, state championship game the following the year after I graduated. I broke down some film and helped them do some stuff, you know, and really, really at that point fell in love with coaching. I was like, hey, this is really what I want to do. Um, I've been to a couple of different schools. You know, I'm still working on my degree. I've been kind of a bum when it comes to education. Um, you know, I started uh, I started coaching with Coach Eckley at Union. I was with him for a year, uh, you know, really kind of learning, learning the game, learning, you know, stuff that I didn't know coming out. You know, I was around a lot of great coaches uh, that really kind of uh, helped me become a better coach. And uh, my family, we, well, my family was still living in um, Montgomery City at that time. They moved down to Southeast Missouri, where I'm at now. Oh, I want to say it was July of '08, and I've been down in this area since January of '09. You know, I've coached at, uh, I've coached at a couple schools down here. I coached at Jackson with Coach Eckley his first year in Southeast Missouri. And then I took a job at Scott city, which is, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 miles from Jackson. And it was a, uh, enlightening experience for me, for sure. You know, I went, uh, I went from big school. Jackson's got, I don't know, 15, 1600 kids in it to Scott city who had like 230 kids in a high school, which is <laughs> a big drop. Oh man. It, it was crazy. But for me, that was the kind of high school that I, that I graduated from. So it was nice to get back to that small town community, even though, you know, Cape who has 37, 38,000 people in it was only, you know, eight miles away from Scott city. Heck I still live in Cape. So I was in a, a you know, a bigger size city, but getting to coach and experience small school football down there was great. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot from coach May there. Um, you know, I, he was real great for me as far as as long as what I did on the offensive line matched what he pictured in the big picture of the offense, I was free to coach my kids how I wanted. And that was that was huge for me to, you know, get in and, and make mistakes and understand, wow, I can't coach kids this way. I got to do it this way. And, you know, getting to know kids and and really getting to build a relationship with the kids and getting them to trust me and then propelling that onto the football field was huge for me, huge for me. Um, and then, you know, as far as my football journey goes in this past year, I um, was at Cape Central coaching for a Hall of Fame coach, Coach Gibbs. Um, I, there's not words to describe what it has meant to me to learn from him. And, you know, not, not necessarily the X's and O's so much as the program development and you know how meticulous he is on everything that he does and and you know the the I don't want to say the pressure that he put on me but the expectations that he had for me as a coach you know at small school it was like hey we're gonna you're gonna run the offense I'm gonna run the defense and we're gonna we'll talk about it but you know that's basically what we're gonna do with coach Gibbs you know I had to learn how to I had to learn how to do staff meetings and I had to learn how to do you know uh you know as far as, you know, film breakdown and all that stuff, I had to do so much more at a big school, you know, understanding that not every team that I'm going to defend is going to be two by two or three by one spread. You know, one play they're going to be spread. The next play they're going to be pro. The next play they're going to get in double wing. It's like I never, had to, I never had to deal with that. In small school, if you're spread, you're spread. If you're pro, you're pro. And having him there to help me through that process I mean, I owe that man more than I can tell you right now, and you know, I'm excited to keep working for him and, and keep keep getting after it. And you know, I'm I'm excited for where I think he can uh, take Cape Central because it's uh it's been fun so far. 
That's for sure. Well, Coach, how, how has that been as a transition for you for uh, now being uh, helping with the offensive line? Obviously, uh, it sounded like, you know, you were kind of an offensive line guy, uh, now calling the defense, but then you're also helping out with the offensive line. How has that transition been for you? Um, you know, it's, it's been really good. The offensive line coach at Cape is uh, Coach Sink. He's been, I mean, guys, I'm going to tell you, he's probably 75, 76 years old, and he's forgotten more about offensive line than I know. And learning from him has been fantastic. You know, um, it, it was a little bit of an adjustment, you know, that, that no, you know, the, the camaraderie of offensive line was no longer mine. You know, I coach the inside linebackers. We're, we're a 4-2-5, 4-4 team. So it's like I have two, two kids that I essentially coach in my, in my position group. So, you know, I miss having – 18, 19 guys, you know, that we can really get in and get to know those guys. But I still, being the assistant part of it, you know, I still got to spend some time with those kids, and that was huge for me. And it was also huge for those kids to be coached by somebody else and, you know, see things from a little bit different. You know, I'm I'm 33, so, you know, I, I can get in and I can, I can get moving with those kids a little bit more. And it, it was good for those kids to see that part of it, but – I'm telling you, learning from Coach Sink has been fantastic, and you know I'm excited to continue to work with him. You know, I think uh, I think I'll spend a little bit more time with the offensive line this upcoming year, and, and you know that'll be good for me as far as trying to transition. But you know, as far as the transition itself, it really wasn't bad. You know, I I, I was uh, I was very pleased with how it went. You know, I I'd spent some time with Coach Sink before at Scott City. You know, we did some seven on seven and stuff over the summers with Cape Central, so I'd spent some time with him, but. Uh, you know, to actually sit down and see how he works and, you know, the, the fine the fine things that he does, you know, as far as hand placement and stuff, you know, is stuff that I probably overlooked as an offensive line coach at Scott City that I, you know, I don't overlook that anymore. Like, it's important. And, you know, it, 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 uh, it was good to see him teach those kids and, you know, something that I can pick up on and, you know, elaborate. And then, you know, as far as me being able to help him on, you know, some – footwork or some get-off drills and stuff like that. I mean, it, you know, we worked really well together, and I was very pleased with how things went. So what are uh, – and I almost hate to ask this question because I don't want to um, – I don't want the word getting out. But what are some things maybe that you stole uh, as a defensive coordinator to tell your linebackers uh, to look for and, and ways to help them cheat uh, since you came <laughs> over from the offensive line? Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you that that's been a huge plus for me, you know, as far as teaching those guys – my, not only my my inside linebackers, but the defensive line. You know, when I when I was at Scott City, I coached the defensive line for a couple of years, and I was not a defensive lineman in high school. You know, I, I didn't understand the the intricacies of playing D line. I coached the defensive line from an offensive line perspective. Hey, what would my offensive line hate me to do as a defensive lineman? Okay, well that's what I'm going to do. And so you know, those guys those guys benefited, in my opinion, from that because. You know, I knew, hey, if I want to step here, well, how am I going to beat you? Okay, well, I either got to get skinny in the hole, you know, I got to attack with pressure, I got to do this stuff. So that was easier for me to coach defensive line. So as far as from my perspective, the defensive coordinator, you know, I look for, uh, you know, weight on the hand, which is an obvious one, okay? But, um, you know, I'm a big shoulder square guy. If your shoulders are square to the line of scrimmage, I don't know where you're going. But if you've got any turn at all, I can, I can pick up on that and I can probably figure out where you're going to go. So now my choice as a linebacker, what I give my inside linebackers is obviously everybody has a gap, but 
we're going to make the defensive line right. So if, you know, if, if, a, if an offensive lineman steps hard down and my guy gets blocked and, you know, even though my outside or my inside linebacker should be an A gap, well, if A gap disappears, then we're just going to run B gap. And that's, for me, that was good for our kids because, you know, with where we were as a defensive line, you know, we got off the ball really well, but, you know, we would get blocked from time to time. Well, okay, if I put two guys in that gap, well, I'm beat. Well, my linebackers understand. I call it running windows. Hey, we're just going to run windows. Find the window and go put your butt in it because if it's there, the offensive line created it for a reason. So that was huge for our kids as far as inside linebacker play on what they saw and what they did. And, I mean, you know, I'm a big run-the-window guy, and that, w- that was big for my inside linebackers. Coach, you know, kind of your, your guys' uh, you know, section of the country there at, at Cape, I know you guys got SEMO and, and some of the schools around, you know, what, what might be some of the, the go-to places that maybe you go to, you know, locally, you know, some of the, the areas or schools or, or coaches or programs, you know, that, that a lot of people kind of, you know, want to go learn stuff. I mean, I, I've been through the area, I've been, you know, to, to Eminence, I've been to Memphis a few times, been to Paducah and, and Carbondale around there, but never really been to Cape. So I'm kind of just interested, you know, what, what are some of the, the kind of go-to, you know, schools or places that you go for, for some of the, the football education, if you will? You know, SEMO um, has been great for us. You know, Coach Tuke that they've hired there, I think this is Coach Tuke's going into his sixth year. Um, you know, he really came into the area and said, hey, I'm going to recruit Southeast Missouri, and I'm going to be open to the coaches that are in the area, you know, as far as coming in and, and doing some great things. You know, um, I've, I'm going to miss Coach uh, Ben Blake, who just took the offensive coordinator job at Black Hill State. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I spent a lot of time with him offensive line-wise on inside and outside zone steps and some of the stuff that he does, you know, drill work and stuff like that. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time with him. And then I'm going to tell you one of the guys that was great for me, who is now the head coach at Dodge City Community, was Ricky Coon. Um, you know, it's, it's a funny story. My wife worked with his wife at, at a school here in town. And, you know, Ricky and I hadn't talked, hadn't really done anything. And, you know, we got, to, we got together for something. And, you know, it's like, oh, you both coach football. You know, you guys ought to sit and talk. And from that moment, I felt like I could go to Ricky for anything. And, you know, he, he really sat down with me and, and talked me through some defensive coverages and some of the stuff that he does on the D-line, which is fantastic, you know, as far as, you know, he's not a uh, – they're not a uh, watch-the-ball guy. They're a, they're a near-leg movement, you know, uh, key for their defensive line. You know, he talks, uh, talks extensively on how that cuts down on uh, encroachment penalties and all that because, you know, I'm not watching the ball. I don't care about the hard count. As soon as that near leg near me moves, I move. I mean, to me, that's fantastic. Look, anything that I can do to not get penalties for my defensively, hey, that's – I'm in on that. So, you know, SEMO has been really good. And then for me, uh, you know, coming from the small school at Scott City, you know, I – I go to a lot of the local coaches. You know, there's there's coaches anywhere that if you ask a question, they're going to answer it. Now, you know, is is everybody's uh, is everybody's open as some of the other ones? No, not really. But you know, as far as in the area, Semo has been great. I, you know, I could go to them at any point. You know, um, offensively, Coach Eckley at Jackson does a fantastic job. I've uh, you know I played for him. I've coached for him. You know, I, I know what he's doing. You know, in that area. And then uh, you know, we've got some guys down a little bit further south, uh, you know, Kennett with uh, Coach Wyatt. They do a lot of awesome stuff defensively. But I'm going to tell you 
honestly, in our in the state of Missouri, our coaches association does a great job of you know having a clinic and and doing some stuff and getting guys in contact. And you know, I've never really met anybody that didn't uh, you know, that wasn't willing to talk to me. You know, now are they going to share their their trade secrets? Probably not. But you know, I can remember when I mom, I guess it was my second year at Scott City. You know, we had some pushback on some of the stuff that we were doing over the summer. Were we doing too much? You know, were, were the kids around us too much? And you know, I remember me and the head coach down there were sending out emails left and right about, uh, you know, what they do in the summer. You know, I don't need to know your, your trade secrets. I just need to know what you're doing in the summer to compare our schedule. And I can remember uh, it was Coach Bailey at Lamar, who's now, uh, you know, not, not at Lamar anymore. Uh, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I was laying in bed. And I, my phone goes off. I'm like, what the heck? Who's texting me? And it's Coach Bailey. And, uh, you know, he you know, he could have just very easily sent me my schedule and, or sent his schedule and said, hey, Coach, here's what we do. That man typed up like five or six paragraphs on why he does stuff. And, you know, hey, Coach, here's my summer schedule. You know, we're a little bit laid back, but, you know, we've been blessed to, to play till no, you know, till Thanksgiving, you know, for the last five or six years. So, you know, we cut down a little bit in the summer because our, our kids just know that. But, you know, he he uh, he did some, you know, he said something that was, I mean, it still sticks with me today. You know, he says, uh, he said, Coach, you know, sometimes you get, you get stuff that, uh, you know, you get some kids in there that could probably change your program. But, you know, maybe, I'm sorry, maybe this is insensitive, but he says, sometimes you got to shoot a hostage to prove a point. And I was like, what do you what do you mean by that coach and you know he so he elaborated on that you know that hey sometimes I got to kick a kid off of my team that could help me win football games for the betterment of where my program is going to be four or five six years down the road and I mean that just you know lit a light bulb under me and went man if this guy who's won multiple state championships at Lamar feels that way I mean why wouldn't I feel that way about you know a program that maybe I'll take over someday or you know even just my position group hey I need you to be a good teammate and not a good, you know, not just a good football player. You need to be a good teammate. And that was huge for me. So, you know, as far as in the area, like I said, SEMO has been great. Um, you know, we're not too far from Memphis. I haven't been down there to personally talk to anybody. But, you know, so far I've never found anybody that hasn't been willing to share ideas or, you know, email stuff, you know, back and forth on drill work or anything like that. You know, it's, it's been fantastic. It really has been. Yeah, I got Coach, a chance to yeah, – I was just saying, I, got, I just got I had a quick chance. I, I was actually – I was looking up to see I, – I hadn't heard that Coach uh, Bailey had stepped down, so you were giving me some breaking news. So I was looking up an article <laughs> that flashed up there. But, uh, you know, I, I had a chance uh, – I was driving down, and it was actually for the, the state title game uh, when, when Coach Harper was coaching, uh, you know, Broken Arrow, and they, they win their first state title. And, and I stopped through, and we'd had Coach Bailey on the, the podcast, so I had a chance to, to meet him. and. And just like you said, man, what a what an awesome guy. I mean, su super open, wanted to sit. And I, we could have sat there literally for four hours and talked. You know, I, I, I just obviously had to go. But but what a what an open dude and, and willing to ask questions. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd only talked to him on the phone a couple of times. And he's showing me film. He's like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I'm like, hey, coach, you know, I, I don't know. And he's like, no, I want you to shoot me straight, you know. And I just thought that that, that said a lot about that. So, you know, when, when you were telling me the, the story to – to be able to, you know, meet people through some of the, the things that we're able to do and, and, uh, and be lucky enough to, to, you know, kind of get new friends and, and people like that from afar. What a, what a cool deal. And, and like I said, you know, 
you're talking about a, a living legend there in the state of Missouri. Absolutely. You know, I, I was, I was cruising through my Twitter, you know, going back to some of the stuff, you know, that I thought maybe we would talk about and I was looking through some stuff and, you know, I was laughing, you know, I, I put a lot of, I put a lot of thought into my offensive line. You know, I, I'm sure you guys have seen it. You know, I, I sell t-shirts to the offensive line that I only sell to them and their families, try to make them feel special. And you know, I put one of those on Twitter, you know, the hog football chat, we were talking about, you know, how to get your group to, to feel important. And I put that on there and, you know, uh, Coach Bailey had said something, and then uh, Coach Roderick from Web City, you know, retweeted and, you know, commented, said he loved it. And they, I, I, I immediately put a tweet out there. I was like, guys, I made it to the big time. Coach Roderick, you know, has uh, mentioned me in a tweet and says I'm doing something great. Like, that's huge for me. But, you know, to, to get just that camaraderie with football coaches in the state of Missouri, you know, like I said, I haven't found anybody that wouldn't sit down and talk to me now, you know, like I said, you're not giving away your trade secrets, your trick plays, you're not doing all that, but anybody will talk program development with you. And to me, you know, I don't care if you went 0-10 or if you want a state championship. I can probably get something from you. You know, you probably learned more lessons going 0-10 than you did winning the state championship. So what are those lessons that I can learn as a coach to file away, you know, whenever I'm blessed enough to take over my own program? You know, I, I can fall back on those things and go, okay, well, hey, this is the thing. You know, hey, when we started 0-3, you know, I got I started panicking and we started changing things. No, stay the course. You know, you know, just do what you do and do it well. And, you know, if, if you go 0-10, you know, your kids that were sophomores that were playing for you are going to get better and, and things will change, you know. And, and I enjoy talking to those coaches. I really do. Um, you know, because I, I think they can offer me more than, you know, a guy that – you know, if, you know, you got stud quarterback and you play class one football, you've got a chance to win the whole thing because, you know, it's tough to defend a stud quarterback. And especially if you got a couple guys around him that can, uh, that can play too. I mean, you're, you're, you're in good shape. Uh, I'm, when we played, uh, I was the defensive coordinator at Scott City my last three years, as well as coaching the offensive line. We played hey tie. And I mean, those guys had talent all over the field. And, I mean, they were, you know, it was, it was super tough to defend them. Well, you know, I, I, you know, class one, class two football guys, I, you know, especially in, in Scott City, you know, we got two or three good athletes. We had two or three good athletes. Um, you know, Hayti had 10 of those suckers. I mean, you know, we just, we couldn't compete as far as athletically. So, you know, we had to, we had to get in there and, you know, compete as far as, hey, you know, I'm just not going to get beat on this play. I'm not going to get beat on this play. And, and that was huge for us. That, that was, that was good for us. But, you know, I, I want to hear about the coaches that go one and nine and, you know, hey, what'd you do? You know, you know, how did that affect your program? What'd you do? And you know, I want to hear those experiences because, you know, at some point when I'm blessed enough to take over a program, I feel like I might be in that situation. You know, and you know, hey, don't panic. Do what you do, and and make sure the program's in the right spot. And like I said, those are things that I I love and that I I feel like will help me as a football coach going forward. Coach, so I'm I'm kind of curious, um, you know, as as an offensive line guy, then you were all started defense. Now you're now you go to DC. Uh, I would assume, you know, some of the tough parts of that would be learning coverages, or maybe even when do I spend time to learn coverages? It's, it's one of my, I don't know, I can't decide if it's going to be one of my off season things or not. Um, but it's something I definitely need to learn. Um, I'm gonna have to make myself learn because um, it's it's pretty boring to me right now. But I know it's important, so. I'll learn it one day, but how, how did you go about uh, tying that in with your, your front-end knowledge on, on defense? So, Coach, I'm going to be open and honest with you. 
I was awful as a defensive coordinator my very first year. I mean, awful. You know, I because I didn't understand coverages. I was not understanding of, you know, hey, I need to blitz on this play. Like, I'd send blitzes, you know, that were like, I mean, they were just silly. Like, wow, hey, I look back on it and watch some of that film going, coach, that's just dumb. Like, why would you do that? Okay, well, I was one that was calling it, so obviously I was doing it. Um, you know, so as far as for me learning the coverages and, and learning that, you know, I spent a lot of time in the offseason um, getting film from different coaches on, you know, hey, stuff, what are you going to do? You know, first for us, for me, I got to figure out what fits my kids. And that was the huge thing for us at Scott City when we were talking about it. And then, you know, here this year at Cape is, you know, I can't, I can't play cover two if I don't have two really good corners that can, you know, flip their hips and cover half the field. I can't do that. So for me, I had to figure out, well, what kind of athletes do I have that can play the coverage that I think we need to play behind whatever, you know, box we're going to show you. And then from there, I had to figure out, okay, well, if I, you know, if I play cover three behind you, well, where's my safety go? You know, what alley does he run and, and all that. And I'm going to be honest, it was, it was a work in progress. You know, I, I really had to, I really had to, you know, trial by error and there was more error than there was um, success. I'll, I'll be honest. But, you know, the, the thing that I learned coverage wise for me from the offensive line part of it is if you really pay attention to an offensive line, I can figure out where blitzes are coming. I can figure out where they're going to try to overload you based on where you play the safety. If the safety is cheated to one side or the other, there's probably something coming from the other side, from that side, because the other side, if you're two by two, there's only two guys over there in certain defenses. So they're going to play man. So what are you going to do to this side? Okay. Well, you're probably going to play some kind of stunt game and bring an outside linebacker or bring a safety. And, you know, that was the thing for me as an offensive line coach that I do with the defense is, you know, I'm a big pre-snap and post-snap movement guy on the defensive line. Cause you know, if I line up in a three technique and we're called power right, okay, well, as my, you know, my right guard and my right tackle are going, hey, I'm double teaming. All right, well, right before the snap of the ball, he moves to a two technique and then slants hard in a gap. Well, if I have the chance to confuse the tackle, I, I got a chance to win because now, you know, is he going to probably not block the linebacker that he should go block? You know, I'm going to take that chance. So that, you know, that's that was – real big for me as far as when I kind of developed what I wanted to do as a, as a defensive coordinator, I want to confuse the offensive line. Cause if you can confuse those guys up front, I got a chance at being pretty successful. So on the flip side of that, then with me being the offensive line coach, you know, I had to simplify stuff because that's what teams want to do to us when we were good. Hey, I, I, I need to do post snap movement. I need to twist. I need to stunt. I need to walk a linebacker down into a gap and then bail him. And, you know, guys will do anything that they can so I had to really simplify offensive line play at Scott City for my kids and you know I'll tell you the guy that really changed how I coached offensive line was Brian Ferentz at Iowa I, I listened to him speak at a clinic in St. Louis the Glacier Clinic in St. Louis and you know he started with this story about how you're going to push a car, you know, and he, you know, I, he was funny. He picked on a guy that was wearing an, uh, an Ohio state hat that was in the front row. And he said, all right, you go out there and you, you know, there's that caller stalled out in the street. He said, are you going to two-step punch and run your feet? 
or are you going to lean on that sucker and get it going and then run your feet and get and take it wherever you want? And I was like, well, if I was doing it, I would probably lean on it and get it rolling and, and then, and then, you know, run my feet and get it going where I wanted to go. And, you know, his comment after that was, okay, so why would I do anything different with the offensive line? I was like, okay, by God, we're going to sit here and we're going to learn some offensive line play today. And, you know, he's, he started talking about his stances and he's not a big stance guy because his right tackle may be six, seven and his left guard may be, you know, six foot. They're not going to have the same stance. Okay. So now, you know, now I'm not going to worry about stances. And he was like, get offs. They're probably not going to take the same step. Okay. Here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about his big butt moving the defensive tackle to where I want him to go. Okay. That just makes sense to me. So, you know, from that point on, I'm going to be honest with you. I, you know, I, I still did my technique, you know, I was still a two-step punch kind of guy, but I coached the get off and really attacking the defensive line. And if you, if you can really get those guys going and get the, you know, make the first move and really attack, and they don't have time to, you know, blitz their gap or, you know, do anything before you're on them, I think offensive line play was easier for us. I really do. And so that was one of the things that I brought to, to the offensive line when I was there at Scott City. And, you know, some of the stuff that I try to do at Cape Central with Coach Sink is, hey, just get off the football. If you just get off football, you'll make everything go easier for you. But when you have to be timid and you're kind of second guessing on where he's going to go, you're beat automatically. And that's what I try to do as a coordinator. Hey, I want to make you second guess where you think I'm going to go. So I lined up in a three and I moved to a two and I went to a gap. For the defensive line, that's not hard. I shift a half man over, I go head up and I slant hard. That's easy for a defensive lineman. That's hard for an offensive lineman to go from, hey, I got a double team to I got to go straight to this linebacker who in in the big picture of what I do then, if my defensive tackle shifts head up, then he shifts outside. So now I got to take a different angle on a stack linebacker, and that's tough for an offensive line, you know, unless you're really well coached. And, you know, I won't lie to you, we coached some teams that were really well coached in the offensive line this year that, that could still block us even though we did some of that stuff. But, you know, I felt like it gave us an advantage as far as, you know, uh, um, you know, being able to get guys off the ball and really do some things there on the defensive line to help create seams for my linebackers to make plays. Coach, is that something you guys have, have gone to very, very much uh, with your defensive line? I, I've heard, and, and to me as an offensive guy, it hasn't affected us, but I like the thought behind it. Uh, I know Oklahoma and some other teams, you know, they count, you know, they shift and, and they shift really loud and they shift quickly before the play. And, uh, you know, they say obviously it's to mess with some of, of the offensive line's targets, but also uh, can make some of those guys jump off sides. And if it is, you know, they count that even as a loss. It's just like tackling somebody for a five-yard loss. They count it just the same in all their stats. Uh, is that something that you guys do very often is, is kind of slant and shift before – or, sorry, shift before the play? Or um, uh, is that something you guys have looked into uh, to doing? Um, I, I'm a big shift guy. You know, I, I started it when I was the D.C. at Scott City because, you know, I, I felt like class one and two offensive linemen – if I could confuse them, it would be a whole lot better for me as a defense. So, um, yeah, I started that, and then when when I got to when I got to Cape Central, it was uh, you know, it's a little bit tougher because you know those guys, you know, we didn't see a lot of inside zone when I was at Scott City. We didn't see a lot of that. So, you know, if you 
to me, if you coach zone right and you just run your track, it doesn't really matter who, you know, where that guy goes. If you just run your track, you're going to eventually block somebody and you'll be okay. So, you know, if you're a big zone team, you know, a lot of times, like, I like to put my one technique away from the back. Because, you know, if you know, I want him to have to bounce it outside or have to bend it all the way back, and I, I like my chances doing that. So, but if you're not a big zone team, I, I shift almost every play, I'll be honest, um, just because I think it does. Now, am I, I'm not coaching my linebackers to scream shift and try to get guys to jump. You know, you know I, I'm not coaching that. It doesn't happen occasionally, sure. Um, you know, on the flip side of that, does it happen sometimes where – you know, my kid will shift, you know, yell shift, and then, uh, you know, my lineman will jump. That's happened a time or two. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a big shift guy from the perspective that I think it does confuse the offensive line, you know. And so, like, for me, you know, I may go head up and then shift to double A's and then twist those guys. Well, for the defensive line, that's not hard for them to understand, but that's really – hard on a center and you know a play side guard that thinks okay well hey I'm going to step down and I'm going to get a double well then that guy crosses the center's face and then this other guy loops all the way around and you know that's tough for some of those kids and so that's something that I've done as a coordinator you know the last three years that I've been doing it you know last two at um last two there and then this past year at Cape Central you know I'm a big shift guy you know, I'm a big shift guy. Sometimes I'll shift down and, you know, rotate an outside linebacker down and go to a five-man front um, to make it look like that, and then I drop him back out. So I didn't do anything but essentially shift my defensive end from an outside uh, outside five technique to, you know, a head up four or even a little bit inside four eye. But his gap responsibility stays the same. So all I did is put another guy down to make you think I'm bringing five on – well, you know, whatever down, and then I'm still dropping and bringing four. So, you know, for me, that I like the confusion aspect part of it. That's something, Coach, where, you know, you, you do move. I know it just seems to me like you know, the most of the places I, I broke down so much film that when teams did move or shift, they usually didn't blitz a lot. Is that something that you kind of self-scout, like, hey, we're going to move and shift and try to disrupt and, and gap exchange and cause problems that way? Are, are you making sure you have pressures out of that and – and change up those looks because to me that was always one of the, the biggest tells on a defense. I tell them, well, hey, when these guys shift and when these guys bump a little bit, generally they don't bring a lot of pressure. I, you know, I would agree with you. I'm not a big pressure guy. Um, we try to sell to our defensive linemen that their job is to be selfless and understand that I'm trying to funnel everything to the linebackers. I want those guys to make the tackles. So I'm not a big blitz guy. Um, that's not to say that obviously I don't have some, um, and, you know, I got to the point where I called more blitzes later in the season this year than I had in the past, but I also think that was part of me becoming more comfortable as a coordinator and going, okay, I can blitz on this down and not put our defense at a disadvantage. Whereas I was always gun shy early in my career because like I said, I've called I'd call blitzes, you know, I'd send two guys to the to the boundary and they'd run fly sweep to the field. And, I mean, they'd have plus two. And I'm going, that's stupid. Like, why would I do that? But that's just where <laughs> I coordinate. You know, that's just where I was. So, it's like, okay, well, now let's send one to the field and one to the boundary and see where it helps. Okay, well, although not as dumb, if, they, if that dude that I send off the edge to the field doesn't make tackle, 
it's probably a touchdown. Okay, so now let's just not send him. Let's not send the other guy, and let's send an inside linebacker and rotate my safety to the motion. Okay, now that helps us as far as, you know, motion and stuff like that. And if I'm not sending somebody and you run fly motion and then run counter off of it, I'm not outnumbered. I still got guys in, in position to make plays. And, and, you know, that was the big thing for us as far as, as me being a coordinator is, hey, realistically, you know, formationally, you're going to line up. You could show me 40 different formations. You probably have four or five run plays that you want to run no matter what those formations are. So my job as a coordinator is to figure out what those run plays are and try to stop. Doesn't matter what formation you give me. You know, um, if you put in an extra bag, you put the H back in the backfield. Um, I'm going to bring an extra linebacker in a box. I got to match numbers for numbers. Okay. Well, if you motion him out, I'm just going to walk the outside linebacker out. I mean, it's just that to me, that's, it's that simple. Now, do I have the dudes in the box? If you play, you know, if you're in doubles, do I have six guys in the box with the safety being able to help me that can that are better than your guys up front? You know, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But, you know, that's that's the love for me of football and the chess match of offensive line plays, hey, or chess match of the the coaches, the coordinators going at it. You know, if I call if I call blitz and, and you know, I I'm I call blitz to stop inside zone and you run counter. All right, you got me because you're, I mean, you're probably taking that for some yards. But on the next play, you call inside zone thinking that I'm going to try to stop counter and I still run my inside zone blitz. Now I got you in second and long. Now your, your playbook condenses a little bit. Okay, now I got my second down calls. Okay, well, if I make a good call and, you know, we're third and long, now your playbook's really condensed and I can do some different things, whether I want to send pressure and make you throw it quick or if I want to play, you know, man with a spy, it's a spy to running back for screens. I can do those things, and I've won the chess match for that drive. The next drive, I mean, I may get my butt whipped, and that's just, you know, that's part of the fun part for me of football is can I win the chess match game in and game out? That That's the fun part for me. Coach, how much – so I think probably to me the scariest part, at least as an offensive line coach, thinking if I was going to play defense, be a defensive coordinator, um, scariest thing for me on offensive line is is having the guys – not ready for some crazy front, right? Or some if front, some flavor of the week front or package the defense is going to bring us, and I'm like, okay, and and us not be able to um, be able to run our our schemes that we need to. Um, I would think the scariest part about a DC would be preparing for um, some formations that you haven't seen. It, it may be the same plays, but um, you know what you know the tackle over or um, some of the like the bunch with the receiver over like the overload uh, formations and and some different things like that how much time do you spend um, each week on on some of those you know quote-unquote crazy formations um, you know I, I spend some time on, on those formations you know the, the thing for me that I think has helped me as a coordinator being bringing my offensive line experience to it is okay guys listen no matter what formation they run if we match our rules on what we have I think we can do things okay so if you give me bunch and and you've never you know if, if you go quads bunch and I and I've you know and I've never seen it before all right well I'm gonna call I'm gonna split field coverage okay if, especially if you're an empty the guy to the single sides in man okay if you want to throw the jump ball to him 
I'm going to I'm going to hope that my corner makes the play and if he doesn't, I'll try to figure something out the next time. But that guy's in man and then I'm just going to play coverage to the to the other side. If you're going to throw bubble, I'm going to take my chances on my guy making the open field tackle and you having to block my guys out in space and and you know make a catch. So one of the things that I I stress and I've gotten this from coach Gibbs and a lot of the other coordinators that I talk to is I just want to live another play. So if, if you line up and you give me something that I haven't seen before, then I just want my kids to line up in their base rules and, and, and understand, hey, I just want to do the base rules. I want to make the play, you know, hey, if, you know, if, if they give me something crazy and then, you know, and, you know, and get a couple yards out of it, that's a win for me. Because now I can see that play on the iPad and go, okay, you know, while we're on offense, I'm scheming it. All right, I'm going to draw it. And then I have great coaches on the sidelines who I can just radio down to and say, hey, tell, you know, such and such, instead of, you know, instead of playing his base rule, let's line him up inside of this guy and, and, and I think it'll help us. Okay. And so we can do that. So using my offensive line part of it where, hey, if you give me some weird front, just trust your rules, and, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care if it's counter, if it's, you know, if it's power, whatever the run play is. If they've got more in the box than we can block, then just man up and take somebody, and if we call a run play, all right, you you beat me on that chest play. Okay, let's line up and do it again. Because if you're going to line up and do it again, I would hope as an offensive coordinator you've got a play drawn up going, okay, well, if they're going to bring seven, I'm just going to throw a swing to the running back. Okay, let's see if he can play it. So, for me – on the defensive side of it, then, is same concept. If you're going to throw some, you know, Coach Eckley always called it Barbie, where he widens the tackles out and he puts them out with the receivers, okay? Well, that dude's not eligible unless he catches a bubble pass, okay? And he's probably not athletic enough to block an outside linebacker or a corner. I don't really care if you put him out there or not. So we widen our defensive ends and split the difference and just say, okay, listen, if, they, if this happens, just find, find ball, see ball, hit ball. So, you know, like I said, to, to answer the question that you got there, you know, we I really stress the rules and, and to understand, you know, hey, if my kids just play their rules, they'll be okay. And then, you know, I always – I told our safety, he was a really good football player for us at Cape. Um, I said, I, what's our fail safe? If they line up in something that is just crazy, I just want to go, you know, a base – base defensive line call and a base coverage and let's just live another down and you know if they continue to do it I'll make the adjustment but if not let's just line up and and play base defense to it and then you know I can scheme it at halftime if it's something that's really going to hurt us. Coach what are some of the things you talk about you know what what really could hurt you what are some things maybe in the past game that uh, that could give you guys problems or, or things that you know you you make sure every week I'm going into and, and understanding you know, how we're going to be able to cover uh, concepts like this week in and week out? Um, you know, one of the things that, that early in my career really hurt me that I, I really studied hard this past offseason, you know, like um, for me, my drops out of my outside linebackers when you give me a flood concept, when you give me an out concept, okay? If, if I'm not going to drop somebody into the flat necessarily – that's where I want the ball thrown. I don't want you to run hard on the flat route and then have them throw the deep out or, you know, something something in the back. I want to take away the intermediate route, and I'll give you the flat route, okay, so that when you complete it for a gain of two and I tackle you, all right, well, now you're second and eight, third and six, instead of 
me driving hard on that flat route thinking, man, I got a pick, and then you throw the intermediate for 10 or 12. You know, so so any kind of your outbreaking routes, you know, it's it's we work really hard with our outside linebackers on, hey, I want you to run with the deep route. If you know, if if my inside linebacker doesn't read the the back swing out, okay, listen, unless he's just a fantastic football player, I'm probably gonna tackle him, even if it's for a gain of twenty, but what's our rule? I wanna live another down. So I made a mistake. Now my line, my inside knows I got to take the swing route, okay? So let's get some depth on our drops and then be able to play an underneath route if it's thrown underneath. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, that was a big one for us. You know, um, I started – we are a cover three team. So obviously two verticals was really a, a, a big deal for us, you know, two, two seams down the middle. Um, the the benefit for me guys is I had a safety that was uh, a fantastic football player that was our quarterback you know um, so a lot of times you don't see that at, at you know at what we consider a big school most time those quarterbacks are just playing quarterback guys our quarterback played quarterback and played safety and is going to go um, to Southwest Baptist and play safety um, and I mean he's fantastic he's he was a fantastic football player so for me. Having him as a quarterback on the field, he understood, hey, if I'm in cat, which is our cover three call, um, I got to I gotta get a lot of depth. And if the quarterback throws it on the line, I just got to make a tackle. If he throws it up in the air, I got a chance to go get it. And he was really good at that. Um, you know, so you know, attacking, attacking the field like that, uh, you know, uh, pass concept-wise, you know, the guys that we saw offensively, um, you know, I. I'm going to be honest, there were so many concepts that our guys saw that, you know, I almost don't think, you know, when I was playing and, and coaching for Coach Eckley early in my career, you know, we ran mirrored routes. You know, if if it was smash, it was hitch corner. Okay, well, you know, he they would run smash to one side and, you know, dig to the other side. All right, well, it's tough for me to teach my – DBs, you know, hey, you know, what are you going to do on this play? Because they're not going to match their routes on what they're going to do. So, you know, um, we had to we had to adjust to that, you know, and, and I, I played a different defense. You know, I basically played a 4-1 against them, put two safeties and just said, hey, you're not going to throw it deep. You're going to have to beat me running the football. And they did. I mean, they, they beat us doing it. But, you know, I, I'm going to try to take away what you do best. And, you know, the teams that don't scheme us um, – and, and, you know, just run, you know, different routes to, you know, because they think they think that it's going to help for them. I mean, that gives us problems. That's no lie. Um, you know, as far as for me, you know, at the end of the day, I'd like to line up and just play man and just say, hey, my guys are better than you. Um, and, you know, this year I, I was more athletic than I've ever been as far as a coordinator. And, you know, so I could do that to some people. But when you ran – you know, pivot route and, you know, really forced my linebacker, my outside linebacker to flip his hips. Well, he wasn't a, a great hip flipper or he probably would have been playing DB. So, you know, you could get me on some of those routes. But like I said, for me as a, as a coordinator, I want to live another down. So if you're going to give up pivot, I want you to give up pivot at five yards, make the tackle. And then, you know, I want to, I want to force a coordinator, an offensive coordinator to go 10, 15, 18 plays because I like my chances on a quarterback screwing it up and, you know, muffing a handoff or, you know, throwing a pick. You know, when I when you think it's cover three and I'm really playing man, 
I, I want to do that. I want to get to that point. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I we really stress at Cape is live another down. Live another down. Hey, you got beat. Okay, don't get beat this time. Do your job. Live another down. Live another down. And so that's you know, that's one of the things that's been great for me. Yeah, I like that. Uh, like that mindset. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you keep making them snap it again. You know, holding to a field goal. I just think those little wins. You know, after you know a, a a big play and things like that. To me, just you know, building that mindset in in with the defense to me is the is is so key. You know, hey. We we get one more one more snap. This is another chance for us to knock the ball out, or it's another chance for us to get a tackle for a loss, or another chance for us, you know, to to sack the quarterback. Knowing that, you know, any one of those plays, we're we're probably gonna have a pretty good chance to stop the drive because you guys forced them, you know, to to snap it again. You didn't let them score on on the the one mistake we made. Cool. Absolutely. Let's go make Absolutely. this play. Absolutely. Coach, you know what? It's kind of a funny, you know, I think that there's so many uh, defensive guys that uh, people look at and they're like, oh, man, his guys just play hard for him. And, and you said you said about all defenses in the Bay Area, you know, certain defenses, man, they just play really hard. Uh, that coach gets them to, you know, but – and you hear it kind of about offenses, but you really don't ever hear that about a whole offensive system uh, of saying, man, those guys just play hard for that offense coordinator – uh, but you do hear that sometimes about defensive coaches. Um, is that's got to be obviously, like you say, a, a huge deal when you're coaching your defenses? Is that effort, that going to the ball, and and how that you know can make them take one more snap? Right? That causes turnovers, um, and it's it's um, it's really kind of a cool deal that that guys do notice that so much on defenses. Absolutely, you know. Um... And, and that's another thing that I feel like as an offensive line coach that I could take to the defensive guys is, listen, you know, as an offensive line coach, I'm an effort through the whistle, not to it, not, not, you know, I, I, I always taught our guys through the echo of the whistle. Okay. I want to toe the line on what's legal and what's not legal. Okay. I, I always told the offensive line in Scott city, I wanted a, a, an official to have to, Tell the head coach, hey, you know, the, your left guard's pushing the limit, okay? So now, yes, he's going to get watched more, but I am, I know that he is playing through the whistle. So that, for me, on the defensive side of the ball is, you know, I, I'm a big hats to the football guy. I got to get hats. You know, I want, I want 9, 10, 11 hats to the ball, and if we can get consistently running those, you know, those guys running to the football – We've got a chance to be special defensively. And, you know, so I don't have to have the most talent if my the kids that are playing defense for me are running to the football. And I've been really blessed with good good kids that, you know, just bought into that. Hey, you know, I may get beat, but if I run to the football, I've got a chance. You know, and I can I can tell you that we we forced numerous turnovers this year um, that – were just purely effort, you know, that, you know, my, my defensive tackle might have gotten cut and he gets up and, you know, he just happens to go punch the ball out from the running back that didn't see him. And we recover it. All right, hey, now we're first and 10 going. And it was just an effort play. You know, he, he, he got really probably he didn't do his job as the defensive lineman, but because he got up and went and made the play, that happened. Um, you know, or, uh, you know, there, there were a couple times where, you know, I can think of uh, – outside linebackers that are on the backside, you know, and they run fly sweep and they take good pursuit angles. 
They cut right back into him. He makes a big hit. Ball comes out, and we're first and ten going the other way. You know, that that's huge for our guys, and that's something that I like to pull up on film and show those guys, hey, listen, he is probably, you know, I, I always laugh at, you know, if you see those AWS commercials with uh, Russell Wilson on, you know, that he had a 1.3% chance of making this play. You know, I like to tell our kids that, hey, guys, he had like 2% chance of making this play, but that 2% turned into first and 10 for us. And that was, uh, you know, that was big for us as a, as a football program. Hey, just, just get up and make that, just get up and, and make an effort to get in there. And, you know, and so I focus on what I call loath, which is a lack of, lack of attitude and focus. So what we do is I grade, I grade loafs. Hey, I just, did you do your technique right? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But did you sprint your butt to the football? I can, I can watch film and I can promise you that I can see that, you know, um, being at Cape, you know, having, having a little bit better technology, I've got two films that are really good. You know, when I was at Scott City, you know, we'd have one film that may be really tight and I couldn't see everybody. I can see everybody now and I can see whether or not you are getting your butt to the football. And, you know, when, when I had my first couple meetings with the guys after we were watching film and it's going, hey, this isn't acceptable. You getting beat, I can deal with you getting beat, but I cannot deal with you getting beat and then loafing. You know, when we call them out and, and film a time or two, man, it, you know, the the focus and the the will to get there was a whole lot better. You know, at the at the end of the season, you know, even towards the middle. You know, the first couple of weeks were a little bit rough. They had to get used to me. I had to get used to them. But once they once they got used to what we were doing and you know understanding that I expected you to not have a loaf, man, you know, it it really helped us defensively. Now. You know, you look at that and go, you know, we lost some games down the stretch, but, I mean, we played some really good football teams. You know, we played DeSmet, who won the Class 6 title that, I mean, they had kids left and right that are going Division One. You know, you could look at that, and we had kids loafing left and right. Well, you know, I, our kids, when we watch that film, I say, okay, hey, listen, yes, they were more talented than us, there's no question, but you still should have run to the football. You know, now – are you chasing the guy down down the line going, hey, he's probably going to score? Maybe. But I still expect you. The expectation is for you to run, for you to get your butt to the football. And, you know, that's that's how I coach it as a coordinator, which for me comes from the offensive line. I expect you to play through the whistle. I expect you to block your guy through the whistle. So, as a defensive guy, I expect you to run to the ball and make an attempt on the ball until you hear the whistle blow. Then we stop. And we get set, and we go again. Coach, what are your thoughts on the uh, the targeting penalties that they're calling now? I know Coach Harper and I get into some nice uh, some nice talks about that. My contention is that um, if you're on Twitter, right, and, and your team gets called for targeting, then you're against it. But if the other team gets called for targeting, then you're 100% for it. And I would probably throw myself in that camp too. <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, we don't – in Missouri anyway, or, you know, maybe not just Missouri, but, you know, for me, we don't see a lot of targeting penalties in, in the high school game. So, you know, it, it's tough for me to answer this question, okay? So, but here's how I will go about answering. I hate to see a kid lose playing time on an effort play. Now, if it's dirty, you know, and I, I don't like to call out your Oklahoma guy, but the hit that, that the <laughs> Radley Hiles kid, 
did, that's dirty, okay, I'm all for an ejection for that, okay? But when a kid is trying to make a football effort play and a receiver ducks his head, I can't help that as a DB. I can't, I can't, I can't predict what a receiver is going to do, okay? So if I hit him in the head, you want to flag me 15 yards, I don't have an issue with that, okay? As a coordinator, that's an effort play. Hey, you were making an effort play, and, you know, you just – it was bad timing. I got to teach the strike zone a little bit better. But to have a kid lose playing time because of it, I, I think is where the rule needs to be changed. You know, like I said, you want to flag me 15 yards, I don't have any issue with it. You know, if you want to get – if you want to make targeting and unsportsmanlike conduct and you get two of those in a game and you're out, I could even support that. But for one, you know, poor lack of lack of angle, essentially, and I got to sit out the rest of this half and the first half of the next game in a college game, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. You know, um, you know and it hasn't, it hasn't happened to us at, at Cape Central, so I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight, essentially, here. <laughs> but I know in a college game, you know, that I, I you know, it's – when when you have intent to do it, okay, I can see you getting I can see you getting penalized for that. But like I said, when when I'm coaching an effort play and I want you to have full effort to the ball, and because a receiver ducks his head, and you make helmet to helmet contact, you don't get to play anymore. I feel like that rule needs to be changed. I'm with you, coach. I, I don't I don't like it. I was against it. Uh, I was talking to Walls. Uh, I figure, like you said, you know, if you get it twice, maybe you're kicked out. Um, Although I'm, you know, I'm for player safety, so I get there's some plays. I'd like to see it called a lot less. Um, but, you know, if it gets called twice, then take them out, you know, take them out then. The other one, weird one to me is, is um, you know, when they do get kicked out, they have to go sit in the locker room. They don't even get to come back out on the field, which is, I mean, it's like, what are we, two years old? And then, so yeah. then the other thing to me is like, okay, so that guy you, you accidentally hit with the wrong part of your head. Um, and you're out of the game. But if, if a running back steps out of bounds two yards in front of you and you smoke him on the sideline and crush him into the stands, it's a 15-yard penalty, but you're good to go play the next play. And none of that – that whole thing doesn't make sense to me. And it should um, – I'm against all of the uh, all of the crackback block penalties on offensive linemen. Man, don't, don't <laughs> those are the worst. Those are the worst. I, I think those should be outlawed. That that I, that should be. Uh, I get it. I'm with you. But um, when so, I was playing, that was fun to do. But I know, I know, it's for safety, and I, I'm with it. But um, so, it always makes me sick when I see it. I don't know what the rules are in Oklahoma or you know Iowa where you guys are at mm-hmm. in Missouri. Okay, what we have is um, we have the free blocking zone. In high school football. So, if a defensive lineman or even a linebacker, if he chooses to come to the line of scrimmage, if he is on the line of scrimmage when the ball is snapped and he is inside what an official deems the tackle box, he can be blocked in any sort of way as long as he remains in that tackle box. So, you know, so where I'm on a cut block, a cut block has to be immediate, okay? But if I'm running screen and a defensive tackle sits in the way, I can hit that dude in the back all day long and, and not get caught. You know, so if he's running down the line and the running back comes in, as long as he stays in that tackle box, there is no blindside block in 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 inside the free blocking zone in 
Missouri high school football. So I used to use that to my advantage. Hey guys, if he wants to, if he wants to stay in the in the box, push him in the back because you know it's the free blocking zone. You know because if he reads it right and we're running screen and he picks it off, I'm be mad at you because somebody should be blocking it. Well, I didn't want to hit him in the back. I push him in the back. <laughs> I want you to do that. Because it's, right. it's legal here, you know. I we had a coach that I mean threw an absolute fit because I mean we had a we had a kid at um, Scott City that was I mean was really good at that and, and understood the rule. Hey, I can hit this dude wherever I want. I just can't cut him after the snap. So, you know, he would block his guy until the whistle and then you know and then some, which I really liked about him. And I mean, you know, there were numerous screens where we would throw to his side and and you know the guy would stand up and then just kind of go. So. He'd be lazy until the ball was thrown, and then once our quarterback said ball's gone, I mean, he would freaking just unload on a guy. And it didn't matter if it was his chest or his back. And, you know, numerous coaches would throw fits. Hey, he's blocking in the back. There's no such thing in Missouri on the offense or on the free blocking zone right there. I can hit that dude wherever I want as long as he started in the free blocking zone. So, you know, that 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 rule's a little bit different for us, you know. and But, you know, like the – which one was the – what was the guy the, um, that is the big deal now that, you know, they the, put that hit with uh, – The Bills Clown was the one. Hit. Yeah, yeah, Clown, the Bills guy. I mean, I, you could watch that a hundred times and go, one, I don't think that's a crack black block, and two, he led with his hands. Okay, He did, I, and that was – and that was uh, – I truly think, and I was going for the Bills, I think that, that was – that lost in the game. I mean, absolutely. They were going to kick a field goal. They were going to win. And they were going to get beat the next week, but they were going to get past that week. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and that's that's our thing. And you know, for us in Missouri, we have the rule where you have to lead with your hands on any kind of block like that. And it's it's tough for our kids, and you know, and with it being a judgment call by an official, you know, I can say over and over again, he led with his hands, he led with his hands. Okay, well, if I don't have the perfect angle as an official, I can't see if he led with his hands or not. At the NFL. Okay, for me, you should be able to review any kind of penalty like that. I don't care if it changes the game or not because that changed the outcome of that football game. No questions asked. So review it and go, guys, that's not – I mean, that's not a blindside block. He led with his hands. To me, the guy just because his head wasn't turned all the way, I thought he got in front of him. Okay, so I didn't even – I mean – what are you going to call that? I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy the way that game goes. And I'm going to be honest, guys, I'm not a big NFL guy uh, for for some of those reasons. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big college football guy. And, you know, I feel like they let those guys play a little bit more, which I enjoy. You know, I, I watch the Super Bowl. You know, I watch the playoffs because I feel like they're playing for something. But, you know, I don't watch a lot of NFL during the season. Now, some of the – a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm breaking down film on Sundays for what we're doing. But, um, you know, to me it's almost taking the fun out of football to watch some of that. And, you know, we'll see the trickle down eventually. You know, all these rules will eventually make their way to high school football. And, you know, you just got to adjust and, and move on. But, like I said, you know, we got started on the targeting penalty. And, man, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, can get, you can get O-line coaches fired up about that. There's no doubt. Uh, well, <laughs> and, and like I said, and I think we're all in, in agreement. It is great. And we want to make it as, as safe as humanly possible. Um, and so we're for that. But like you said, it, it's, it's tough when you get some of those judgment calls and, and you are co- trying to coach it right and it's a bang-bang call and probably an impossible call for the ref. 
you know, yeah. and not necessarily his fault either. It's just, it's just a tough spot. And, and you wish he had some of those, I'm sure the bills, uh, bank account, all those guys wish they had that one, uh, Absolutely. That, extra, that extra bonus. You know, and, and, you know, that's, that's the thing that we've talked about with offensive line play is listen, I want those guys to play through the echo of the whistle. That guy wasn't doing anything other than probably what he's been coached to do, and you get flagged for it. And so now, as an offensive line coach, and do I have to coach my kids differently to uh, adhere to what an official does? And, like, I, I, I don't know if that's – I'm not going to say it's not worth it. Obviously, it's worth it or I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But that's, that's tough, and that puts me as an offensive line coach in a bad spot. Do I have to change how I coach kids and how I coach effort for fear that they may get penalized and it could really hurt our team? You know, and that's that's one of the things that I've been blessed with, you know, as far as the kids that I've coached on the offensive line is, hey, just – I just want to toe the line. I, you know, I don't want you to necessarily go over it, and I'll be the first one to come down on you if you do go over it. But I, I want you to get up there and toe it because, I mean, you you have to be – a mean sucker to play offensive line. You just have to, you know, and if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to take enjoyment out of, you know, moving a, a guy that doesn't want to be moved from point A to point B, I got to find somebody else. And, you know, that's the thing that has been really good for me. Hey, I want guys that are going to buy in to what I want to do as an offensive line coach. And I just want you to get off the football and be physical. I want you to take pride in moving somebody. And, you know, one of the things that I did my last year at Scott City with the offensive line, I went back and watched film from our previous couple of years. And, you know, we we were really bad. I said really bad. We were really good at blocking the first level. Okay. We were going to get good movement. But we wouldn't block the second level hardly at all. And so I went and I studied. And, man, we, we watched a lot of film with those kids about, listen, we got to go two for two here. And when I say two for two, those are the only two guys that you should be blocking for the entire play, okay? Because if I make contact as soon as the ball snapped with a guy, I can legally block him until the whistle blows, okay? Now, if you're blocking him 30 yards past the play, you probably need to let go. But the official should tell you, hey, ball's, ball's away, then, then move on. But, you know, we spent a lot of time on, on with those guys understanding, hey, if we go two for two here – I want you to block those two guys until the whistle blows. And if we break a 40-yard run and you run that guy 40 yards and, and pancake him at the end, by God, I'm giving you a chain on the sideline or something. You know, and, and we had some guys do that. I had some guys that really bought into that and understood, hey, I'm going to make contact. And, you know, sometimes it would be maybe a little bit too far from the play and the official would tell him. And, you know, he'd come to me and he'd say, that guy, you know, that, that official told me I had to stop. Okay, then you got to stop. But. Now I just want you to drive <laughs> yeah. forward and do the same thing, but right. you know, and and that that was real key for us, and you know that was uh, you know, and and that's the thing is for me as an offensive line coach is I want the guys have to be able to trust me, and that's any any position coach that that the kids need to trust them that I'm gonna put them in a good spot and do those things, and for me when officiating and stuff like that can take away from that is when is when you know you're going to have trouble and and guys I'm going to be honest we're talking NFL stuff high school officiating is a thankless job that you know I'm I'm just glad that there are guys there that that can call our game <laughs> that's right South, you know and you know 
you know, I've got a lot of friends that are officials and, you know, some of them will say, Hey, you talk too much. And, you know, I did. And one of the best things that coach Gibbs ever did for me is, you know, at Scott city, I was always on the field. Okay. And coach may will, if he listens to this, he'll laugh and he'll tell you, you know, he'll call you guys personally and go, yeah, that dude talked too much. I'm in the box now as a coordinator. That's what coach Gibbs wants. And I don't know that I would go back. You know, I see so much more up there. I, you know, I can do so much more in a box than I can on the field. And that was huge for me as a coordinator. You know, when I was coordinated and then down there, hey, I was coordinating defense, we were on defense, and then I was worried about making adjustments on the fly on offense. Well, I wasn't doing the defensive guys a good enough service. Now, having just the assistant role as an offensive line coach where I can talk to the offensive line coach on the field and go, hey, this is what I'm seeing, but I've got time to draw and I've got time to watch on the iPad. I mean, it's it's made it so much better for me being a coordinator coaching from the box. I mean, it's just – it's so much better up there. Well, Coach, uh, I think we've got a, a pretty good uh, idea of maybe what your answer is, but uh, like about, about an hour uh, towards the closing, the – Last question I always like to ask guys is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? <laughs> I was prepared for this one. I listened to a couple today, and I, so I was uh, I was thinking about what my answer would be for that. Um, yeah, I want I want I respect the guys whose offensive lines play with effort. Do are they the biggest? Are they the strongest? Are they the fastest? Probably not. But when they play from whistle to whistle and line up and, you know, they line up and do it again and again and again and again. Those are the guys that I respect. Um, you know, any, to me, anybody can scheme stuff. You know, no matter what I do as a coordinator, you know, as an offensive line guy, I can find something that works. But when you can just line up and over and over and over and over again do those things, you know, it, it's it's great. And, you know, one of – I'm a – I'm going to go a little bit further into this than probably I need to. I, I really like the guys that spend time with their guys outside of football. You know, hey, yeah, you know, we need to spend some time in the classroom, but, you know, the guys that take their linemen to eat, the, the guys that, you know, spend time with uh, – spend time with their guys, you know, in the classroom or, you know, at home. You know, one of the things that I, that I do uh, that I started at Scott City um, – you know, we had a we had a student athlete pass away. Uh, he was in February of his senior year, so he played his senior year for me. Um, and he was an organ donor. Uh, his parents made the selfless decision to let this kid be an organ donor. And you know, as a way to to keep his legacy going, I the first year after he had passed away, you know, obviously the kids that were juniors obviously knew him very well. Um, the cemeteries. I don't know, from Scott City, eight miles. It's probably not even that far. It's probably five miles. Um, we went to the cemetery every home game, went and saw him. Um, you know, kind of we, we did it. The rally cry at Scott City is do it for Dom. Um, and so we did it for Dom, and we go to the cemetery. Dom was a jokester, man. So, so we, uh, we played some jokes on each other, had a good time. We'd have a little moment of silence in memory of him. We'd get a break that was for Dom, and then we'd go. And that kind of started our started our offensive line. It started our Friday night, really. It started at about 3.30 on, on a Friday. And that's grown to where, you know, I, I got Dom's um, stepdad involved. And, 
you know, he, he comes and meets the guys and, and him and I talked during the week and he would come up there with some great words of wisdom and, you know, we'd get up there and, you know, and we'd do that. And so where that's, where it got going for me was the kids that didn't know Dom, the kids that were not in school when Dom was there, I needed those guys to understand what Dom was. So we would have parent, we'd have parents come or, you know, a lot of times his, his stepdad would be the guy that would come in and, and do those things. But that tradition has lived on at Scott City, even though I'm not there. And that, to me, is a testament to offensive line coaches that, you know, do those things outside of football. You know, I'm, I'm not – I can teach you X's and O's all day long, but, you know, I, I'm getting to that point now where I've got former players that are inviting me to weddings or that are telling me that, um, you know, they're, they're – you know, their girlfriend or their wife is pregnant with their first kid, you know, and, and those are the things that I love as an offensive line coach. And, and I enjoy hearing about as an offensive line coach at heart, you know, is what are you doing with your kids outside of football that will change their life? And, you know, that that's the thing that we've done and that I like to see the other guys do, you know, and, and maybe I cheated my answer because that's not what they're doing on the field, but you know, for me, off the field, I like to see, you know, what kind of creative shirts you come up with or what, what are you doing to make your guys feel special? Because if you can do that at the end of the day, those kids are going to play hard for you, and that's what I respect most as an offensive line coach. Coach, man, appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a lot of the, the stories and stuff you have, and I think you, you dropped some good ideas for, the, you know, the, the heart of, of a run the power is the offensive line coaches, so I think they'll, uh, they'll get a ton out of it. So, so appreciate it again, Coach, and, and thanks for taking an hour to, to come talk to us, brother. Hey, guys, I can't thank you enough. You know, it was an honor to be a part of it. You know, I, I listen regularly, you know, whenever I'm, you know, doing whatever I'm doing, yard work or whatever, you know, I, I listen to you guys regularly, and it's, it's an honor for, to be a part of it. You know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to, to be coaching a great game, and I'm blessed that you guys have uh, let me be a part of this for an hour. You know, I, I'm sure we could sit and talk for numerous more hours about it, and I'd love to sit down and talk with you guys any chance we get. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.